You're listening to Barely Legal in Web3. I'm your host, Jamilia Greer. On this podcast, we talk about everything at the intersection between legal compliance and Web3 innovation. This podcast is an audio extract from my YouTube channel, where I bring to you in-depth interviews with Web3 entrepreneurs and innovators in Dubai and beyond. Listen, if you're a lawyer looking to upskill into Web3, you can check out my website, bitebow.io, for courses and our flagship Web3 Bootcamp. The Bootcamp provides you information about NFTs, cryptocurrency, and DAOs, and their associated business models and legal considerations. And the best part is, it's all taught by me. That's not really even the best part. You also get a chance to gain hands-on work experience with one of our partner companies. So no more feeling like you don't have the skills to actually do this stuff. And all of the information that's in this bootcamp is based upon my 15 years of legal experience across the world as an associate at law firm, in-house counsel, and most importantly, being an entrepreneur myself. So if you're really keen on it and you want to level up into Web3, check out bitebow.io. And now, on to today's discussion. Welcome back to another episode of Barely Legal in Web3. I'm here today with a great guest. His name is Sam Lai. He's the founder of Meta Incubator. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. You know. Yeah, I'm glad you are here. And it's been a long journey for you to get here from Singapore. <laughs> no, actually, I'm from Hong Kong. So, oh, but, but you spent time in Singapore. Too. Okay, okay, okay. Awesome. So from that, that part of the world, because, um, you know, I mean, we share that because I spent about seven years mm-hmm. in Singapore and I spent some time in China. Yeah. I've never lived in Hong Kong, though. But we're in China. Okay. Shanghai, Dalian, and a city that you've never heard of. Which is Guangxi. Guangxi, I actually you have my hometown is next to between Guangdong and Guangxi. You know, really? Yeah. So, hey, it's guys, a, it's really Qin, okay, Park, but so. do you know Qingzhou? Qingzhou, oh, Qingzhou, I yeah, I don't know. That. Okay, all right, yeah, that's a, that's a little bit too village for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing. You went there, you know. Yeah, it's a different part of China. So. Different part of China. So we've we've both traveled. I mean, I mm-hmm. think this whole from Asia to the Middle East now, I yeah. think that's a pretty interesting trend. They, so they tell you something. I'm from Hong Kong, you're from Singapore, now we talk in Dubai. So So what I mean, what brought you? I guess we'll start with that. What brought you from Hong Kong to Dubai? Because you, you were looking for crazy story, right? You know? Yeah, so I want the crazy can story. I start crazy story. I actually come here for a birthday party. Wait. Just really true. I told everybody it's the same story. It's a birthday party. Because the the, the long story is uh, I was actually working in Beijing before the pandemic. Okay. Uh, in a family business. It's like exhibition and like auto park trading. Okay. And then during the pandemic, I actually stay in Hong Kong because I have an apartment there. And then because we all in during the pandemic, we have nothing to do. Right. So I was say like, just keep drinking and dining with my friends. So yeah. we kind of like have a, 10 a.m. breakfast, like with Japanese breakfast, like sushi yeah. and sashimi. And then we start drinking sake for like five, six hours. Okay, nothing. that'll do you in. Yeah. <laughs> but then actually what I found out is my friend, actually who I met in Beijing, he's actually in the crypto business for a long time. Because I actually, I'm one of the really old person. I'm actually from the internet. I'm like from year 2000. You're I from was Prodigy in and bubble. AOL. Just, yeah. just, just say it. Just with throw it out there. <laughs> 
you know, Me too. Dial picture, up. Like, like, yeah. like, like this tech health thing. Get off the phone. I'm on the internet. Yeah. So yeah, and, and then so when we're talking, you know, like my dining, and then and then and then I also oh, I have also another friend also in crypto, and then we kind of have a bunch of crypto person like drinking and talking all the time. You know, that's how I kind of like start learning about crypto because before that I thought oh, I don't even know what it is. You know, yeah, about blockchain, Bitcoin, you know, Ethereum. I don't know if this real way. Right. Because we are from the old technology background, then we are proud of our, our old old heritage. But then I learned actually there may be something very interesting in here. Mm. Yeah. So and then uh, after the pandemic, like I think at the end of 2020, so my business partner, she actually uh, was planning to move to Paris. Because she, oh, I was in Hong Kong for two years, like that's too crazy. Yeah. Before the pandemic, I think you and I the same thing, right? Yeah. We pretty much like never spend longer than one week or two weeks in any single city. Yes. And then we just <laughs> rotating around it. the world. So, yeah. So, but even right now, we still cannot get back to that, that kind of schedule. But no. let's see, let's see if like next year, can we do it? And then suddenly she just called me up. Hey, Sam, I'm in Dubai, you know, come for my birthday party. Okay. Then say, like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, you know. Come to come to uh, we come to Dubai for your birthday party. But then things, what 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 I can do in Dubai? You know, can I check it out or do something else? Yeah, let's do a metaverse incubator. What? Why, because why metaverse? You know, oh, because metaverse gonna be the popular word in the next few years. And then uh, yeah, I come here. We have a crazy birthday party. And then I'm the one that try to build a meta incubator in here. You know, because wow. I, I do have a lot of experience working for startup. For like over 10 years. That's why my, my business partner find me to do that. You know? This is like the professional version of the movie, The yeah. Hangover. Do you know that movie, The Hangover? I know. Wait. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, that's true for everybody in Dubai. Yeah. Everybody said, I come here for one thing and I haven't seen stay here since. So. That's true. Yeah. That's so true. Dubai is actually have a, a really unique characteristics in, in terms of this. You know? There seems to be kind of this, this trend of like a brain drain mm-hmm. from Asia. Yes. to Dubai particularly, I would I would mm, say. I mean, a lot true. of the businesses that I talk to in, in Singapore and, you know, in China, things have really slowed down. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Singapore, for sure, they're very, they're just looking over here like, what, what's happening in Dubai? You guys are doing what? What's yeah. going on? Uh, uh, so I think it's not just Asia. I think it's also Europe. Mm-hmm. A lot of Europeans are moving to Dubai too. So you know, Because I, I've been here for a whole year last year. So I can see even in the web fee, crypto and metaverse space, how it changed for the last one year, you know. And because when I come here, the, the community is very small. But uh, of course, some unfortunate event happened, right? Yeah. And then when the, when the Ukraine and Russian war start, a lot of Russians come here. And now even more because they start the, the job, right? Right. And then when India in, uh, have a tax hike, on crypto, yes, all the Indian like VC and and founder like all come here too, yes, and of course China too. China is a, a lot of people, not just in crypto, in a lot of different industry. They all come here because uh, China is still under COVID the situation, right? And Hong Kong have kind of un- very unstable for the last few years. That's why even for Hong Kong people, right? First they actually go to Singapore, and now mm-hmm. Singapore is overcrowded. Yeah. And uh, also Singapore, I think it changed a different direction. Yeah. And we can talk about it later because I think they want to be the financial center, not the crypto center. Yes. But Dubai want to be the crypto center and metaverse center. That's exactly why all a lot of Singaporeans are actually moving here too. So. That's that's so true. And I was in banking mm-hmm. in 
Singapore. Yeah. Funny enough. Uh, I worked for a bank, Standard Chartered, and I mean, hey, we're just, hey, it's barely legal. We're saying everything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> worked for Standard Chartered, and there was a lot of innovation going on in one particular arm of the bank, but, you know, still testing out digital payments, mm-hmm. still testing mm-hmm. out, you know, what can we really use blockchain mm-hmm. for, but not really going after it. And I said, look, I said, this is not, you know, if you guys are just going to, you know, put your feet in the water, I said, no, we got to jump in. Yeah. So I, I ended up leaving and, and starting ByteBow and coming here. Yeah here and i actually you know i came in november november of mm-hmm. last year so I, time. I i didn't really know that dubai was really going to be full-on you know crypto hub yeah um i think i just came because i was thinking well you know singapore the lockdown restrictions are pretty tough mm-hmm. and you know maybe it'd be easier to launch a business here because the cost of living compared mm-hmm. to singapore is is less you mm-hmm. know you can yes. live more comfortably um, and much cheaper too. <laughs> yes, and much cheaper too. I mean, that's that's something that people I think they underappreciate. Yeah, like everyone talks like, "Oh, Dubai is so expensive." Go to Singapore. Go to Sentosa. Mm-hmm. Go to Sentosa and <laughs> live for a year. You're done. Hong yeah. Kong too. And Hong Kong is getting actually much cheaper for the last last few years. Oh, because really? I can see the price because uh, from the beginning of the pandemic to the to when I left Hong Kong like one years ago the price like going down you can see it you know oh, very yeah. like ob- obviously so you know yeah cuz people people are leaving right and people then- leaving people are spending less you know yeah just like for a sneaker when i go back it costs like the average costs 400 hong kong dollar for a pair and then become 200 oh <laughs> i may need to take a trip to hong kong <laughs> yeah because <laughs> before they were having the big margin right because at that time hong kong the rent is very expensive yep. but since the pandemic like I think a lot of people like stop paying rent. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or yeah. the landlord actually reduced the rent a lot. But, but you know, Hong Kong landlord are very rich, so don't worry about that. Yeah, they, so. they don't. They don't really care. Didn't yeah. they just recently open up, or they reduced the three day quarantine? Is no, that's no more quarantine. So uh-huh. you actually only have three day at home observation. Oh, so it pretty much open already. I actually, uh, I was a little bit negative about Hong Kong before pessimistics, mm-hmm. but now I actually become more and more positive. Yeah, because I think uh, right now with the new governor, like or chief, you know, in Hong Kong, I think it, it will be more under control, and even the Chinese central government will appreciate that. So yeah. just like just like kids, right? When you actually listen to your parents, <laughs> you actually more flexibility to do things. Yes, you know? that's why even in China is still locked down, but Hong Kong is totally open now, pretty much. You know. Yeah, well, that's very attractive for people who are still interested in, and there's still a lot of VCs still in Hong Kong. It's the, a lot of a crypto hedge fund because a lot of trading. They they don't have trading like professional trader in Dubai mm-hmm. per se. They have commodity, right. but not like financial and crypto trading. So even some of the hedge fund I know are still in Hong Kong. So, yeah. so so you went to this wild party. You went through the hangover plot, mm-hmm. and you said, "Hey, we're going to kick this off in Dubai." Mm-hmm. Tell us about Meta Incubator and yes. what it is that you guys do. Tell us about it. Yeah. So I think the idea that uh, of course we, we we say the joke, but. Sometimes, you know, when you say jokes, there's a lot actually not defraud uh, uh, behind the, uh, the, the decision. Because when we open the Meta Incubator, as an incubator, you actually, it's kind of a witty platform that you can see all the project in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Once you say, oh, I'm incubator, pretty much all the startup, all the project come, come to us for resources. Then we can actually get, uh, kind of gauge how good Dubai is. You know, in terms of R&D and web free development, all those things. And then from there, right, uh, we actually, right now, mostly we're working for startup yet, not that many corporate. Uh, 
because usually the incubator you can either have corporate client or the startup client. Right. But uh, but corporate is here is really conservative. Mm. You know, they they really interested in metaverse that we can talk about. But but they are feel very conservative. They're not like oh I'm we're gonna like pay you money and build a metaverse or do consulting to do something. They always just observe. So for startup, we pretty much like talk to most of the project in here. So what we help them is actually. A lot of them is, uh, for us, because I'm really strong technology background, I only work with really strong technology project too. Okay. So a lot of the NFT project, I said, that's just a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't do that. So even the first kind of NFT project I do is a 3D object, mm. NFT marketplace. Okay. And, uh, for, and, and then for, for the startup, we actually help them to, first of all, okay, I see is your technology there or not. Are you missing some part of technology? And after that, right, you have technology, but what product are you building? Ah. That actually really, I think, neck in here. Because a lot of founders, they build, build, build technology, but not building product. Because you can have a product, then you can have a, a business model, then you can talk to VC. Yeah. Because at the end, everybody need money from VC, you know, right. everybody's fundraising. So I think for, for me, right, my, my kind of the, the the, con- the biggest contribution I have to the startup is actually help them like fix their business plan, okay, and then connect them with a uh, kind of top tier VC mm-hmm. because in here even the VC industry is very local. Mm. Uh, they have a uh, like local Middle Eastern VC now because uh, in India the situation in India also a lot of Indian VC in here, but there's no tier one VC like A16C, you know, Sequoia yeah. in here. So I kind of connecting like some of the startup to them. Also okay. even blockchain. A lot of blockchain are not here. Like the protocol, the Ethereum, they don't have a strong presence in here. The only one actually Polygon because actually the Polygon founder spent a lot of time in Dubai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do, do yeah. you see uh, more? I mean, I guess when you look across these metaverse projects, do you see more on like the gaming side or do you see more? Is there any particular sway that you're noticing? Uh, that actually is a secret about the web free world mm-hmm. because you know right actually all the transaction on on the blockchain all blockchain included half of them are from gaming mm. so half of them are on l1 so half of them in l2 so even on l2 level half of them are also from gaming so even right now for every single blockchain currently right yeah. they're all like aggressively looking for gaming project and gaming project, there's so many things, right? You're gonna first of all, you're gonna issue the NFT, you know, so yeah. people buy an NFT, and then you're gonna have token in game purchase. There's been more NFT, you know, and then you need more token, you know. So all of them are transaction. So that actually is so some of some of the people that we in the industry told me, I think by the, I think they said it's first half of next year, okay. but I think maybe second half of next year, they probably should have five thousand, you know, game five project like will be launched. Wow. Yeah. I think not even globally, probably just like in Southeast Asia, including Dubai. So that's very interesting. And and I think and you know, what people don't understand when they think about the metaverse is mm-hmm. that there are so many different applications and yes. ways that you can use mm-hmm. the virtual space. It's not just you know, gaming, or it's not just, you know, having events, Mm -hmm. whether it's Mm -hmm. below board or below, you know, any sort of any sort of virtual um, place, Mm -hmm. it is so versatile. Yeah, it's actually I think uh, I I actually don't think it's a space. Mm -hmm. For me, I have a really unique view about what this matter was. For me, matter work is an experience. It's an imaginative world, Mm. right? I'm I'm, I'm born in the 70s. The biggest matter was for me is Star Wars. 
Oh, wow. For them, it's just a few movies, but then, then create billions and billions of dollars of revenue. And they still also have game. They also have Star Wars, have their own metaverse, like 3D metaverse right yeah. now. So I think when people look to metaverse, don't just focus on the technology or I did the cool goggle, I did yeah. the like HoloLens, whatever. Really focus on experience because I think for internet, it pretty much go to a, a limit that how yes. you can do on like e-commerce, a website already. So that's why Facebook actually would jump to the meta, metaverse uh, kind of a ecosystem to how to further improve that experience. So as a small business or big business, what you're actually really focusing on metaverse is, is there any technology that can help you to even have provide a better experience to, uh, to, to your user? Do you yeah. think the, the playing field is kind of level now? Or do you think there are actually more projects than there are VCs to support? Or do you think uh, it's, w w where are we, where are we headed? Uh, I actually, I was working in the industry for like, yeah, over 10 years, like 15 years, something like that. It's always more VC than startup. Good startup. You hear I mean. that, people? Yeah. <laughs> so, but the thing is, you got to, I think a lot of founders really need to understand what actually VC thinks. You know, tell That's us. A, as tell I said us, earlier, yeah. right? They really care about is the business model. Mm -hmm. They care how do you make money. It's not about what how cool your technology is. But then the thing is, they only invest in technology projects, so they cannot. They will not skip the technology side too. If you have no technology, then they won't look at you. So, but but if you are engineer, you program all the time. You you, you sometimes you never think about like marketing, how right. to build a business, you know. So I think even that's a, one thing uh, when you set up a team, always find a founder that's really good in like getting customer and figure out the product and one that's actually really good in technology. So it actually amplify, you know, the chance of getting money from VC. So it's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about VCs in the Web3 space mm -hmm. because some people in the Web3 space are all of this idea of, you know, um, using using the technology mm -hmm. to fundraise, whether, you know, whether we're talking about the using ICO tokens or, idea. right, right, that piece. And so do you see a pull or do you see sort of an off-ramp from, from that towards a traditional VC or do you think it's still kind of like a hybrid? It's actually a hybrid. Mm -hmm. You can see actually most of the project, they all have the private sales and the public sales, even for the seed round. So when I said, oh, I want to raise like $1 million. So what they will do is first they sell like 500000 to private investor, usually it's VC. Yep. But then when they sell it, the price of the token actually increasing already. So, and then they, they left some, some of them actually left very, very little in the, in the public run because then they can control the flow and they will not destroy the price of the token when they launch it. So some of them maybe go with 75% of private sale, 25% of... Uh, kind of a, a public sale. So, and this is one model. That's what I see in the yeah. last year when I look at a project. So I think a lot of them are really hybrid. For only a very few projects, like a DAO, that yeah. they really go all the way to like, go, go to people directly. But still most of them are still VC money. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's so interesting because, you know, you always hear this sort of discord mm -hmm. of, um, you know, the NFT holders or the token holders yeah. having this power struggle with the VCs are being like, hey, or particularly in the DAO sense, I'll say, yeah. in the DAO sense where, you know, you have your voting rights mm -hmm. and there's this whole idea of governance and there's a fear of dilution. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, in control. Do you see that much? I actually don't see that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, of course, they always have concentration to people who have more money. They can always buy more token. But then the only question is: is your incentive aligned with the VC? Mm-hmm. Because when you in a in a kind of a corporate you know entity, usually everybody just want the price to go up. No, yeah. nobody like explicitly want to like make, make kind of destroy the party. <laughs> like, right. Right. So everybody want want to keep the party going too. So uh so even as an individual investor, I think uh, don't need to worry too much. And always just go back to the basics, focus on invest in good project. Because usually the best situation come out is in a bad project. That people like oh that's the permanent one, right? So yeah. the rock pool. They just create a kind of a, a fixed project and pump the token price and then sell it to retail investor. But I think those of them will actually be gone. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because people are getting much smarter than you thought. So, yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what do you think are like two or three things that if someone has in their project, you'd be like, take it out, throw it out. We don't, you know, it's not, it's not trending anymore. People aren't interested in having this. It's not going to generate revenue or it's looked at as gimmicky. Are there mm-hmm. anything that kind of pops into your mind that's a total turn off when you see it in a business plan? Uh, it's. I don't think it's the turn. I actually don't think it's ter- uh, kind of like like take it off. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when I talk to project right now, I think the really the question I really like uh, he, just like uh, really kind of not really ha- an upset to hear is they talk about the tokenomics. Oh yeah. Tokenomics, yeah. yeah. Because at the end, the tokenomic doesn't matter if you uh, have a good product. Mm. So one example is everybody said, oh, the step end, like project, that actually is uh, from Singapore founder, right? They said, oh, yeah, the tokenomics so bad, it's not sustainable. But people still don't don't know it. They're still making like $20 million each month or each quarter. I think maybe quarter mm. just selling the NFT sneaker, even currently. So how do you say that actually not a sustainable like project? Because it really in in, in that because they're actually really smart because uh, just like okay, which company in the whole world right make even more money that target the same like customer the group? same customers yeah, yeah uh, compared to Step in. I mean not I mean I guess Apple in some ways but no it's Nike oh really oh yeah yeah so if you have to actually read the box. Uh, the shoe dog. Yeah, yep. So even the the founder uh, Philip Lai said, "Oh, when when he was young, if you go out and running, people think you're crazy, because at that time, every people, all the people are still working on the field. Yep. It's like, oh, I'm farming on the land, so why you like have so much energy? Why right? you should be dying already? <laughs> so because, but he's a professional runner, right? So you're running around, and the people say, well, what? Why are you running? But then he can tell, right? The trend totally changed, a mega trend. So. So at that time, I think 60 and 70, that exercise and start like taking off. People yeah. actually, because we, we, we urbanize, we exercise, we actually like have physical labor less. So we need exercise. That's how a, a kind of like you create it. So one, one thing uh, then for all the potential aspiring founders, look at who was the mega trend. Mm. So that actually really important, you know, just like in Chinese way. Right? I think even Alibaba, like uh, founder Jack Ma said, when you are in front of the the wind, like when the wind, uh, the wind are blowing you on the right direction, so like when you have a tailwind, headwind, yeah, yeah. tailwind, 
even a pig can fight. You know? mm, yeah. <laughs> so make sure where's the tailwind is, you know, where's the tailwind. So. But and Murphy and Metaverse is the huge tailwind. So. Yeah, yeah. And and in Dubai, I mean, what was it? Yesterday there was the Metaverse Assembly, Yes. right? And you see so much support from the government and sort of making sure that the foundations mm. are right. And they talked a lot about privacy. Mm-hmm. They talked about uh, cybersecurity. They talked about sustainability. Yeah. They really went in and talked about using the technology in mm-hmm. a way to benefit society. And I think that's something that haven't really, I mean, U.S. is still trying to, <laughs> the U.S. is still trying to figure out what, how Facebook is uh, yeah. <laughs> working with the ads and and the you know the disinformation they're they're really not yet at yeah. understanding metaverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something very different. Yeah, I think so because that's actually uh, yeah why, why I come here to at least why the reason why I stay because the leadership in here is they kind of they they're very very visionary but they also is not it's also kind of by force right because they know the world is going to. Become a more try to be a more sustainable economy, so the oil industry may become smaller in the future. So they cut to change the business, the economic base, right? Yeah. So they are really actively looking to open to technology business, and then they are very also open to everybody. Right. Just like uh, even you talk, if you are in Europe, you are in in US, they still arguing. Oh, how many immigrants will take a year? Right. But nobody here in Dubai talk about it. Right. And even for the last year, that probably at least like a million people move in, something like that. But still, nobody say a thing because that actually good for the economy. Yeah. Like the Russian are here, Chinese are here, Indian are here, and all they are they are actually smart people too. Yep. They they actually help work together, you know. And just like in the metaverse assembly, you can see people from around the world. The That's talent actually is very amazing. Unique. And the talent the talent pool is improving too. So and also the the. The demographic in GCC actually nobody talk about it because seventy uh, percent of people in here are under thirty years old. Really? Yes. All the, all the Guess GCC I'm country. in the upper uh, yeah. <laughs> the the minority. Is, so right now we we are only seeing Dubai. Yeah. And you know Saudi Arabia, which is a much much bigger market, are also opening. Yeah. Then yeah, there's a lot of potential in here. So, yeah, and and for for Hong Kong and China, yeah, we're aging like <laughs> right. <laughs> no I mean, tomorrow, yeah, so. it's it is it is very interesting yeah. because so I'm a mom of four, mm-hmm. and oh. when I was in Asia, mm-hmm. people were like, "Oh my God, what are you? How are you going to feed yourself? Yeah. You just it's just wrap it up, lady. You're done." <laughs> but here. Um, having four children is actually yeah. much more common. And you do see that, that yeah. there is a younger population mm-hmm. um, and not just with the local population, but with the expats that are coming mm-hmm. in or the immigrants that are coming mm-hmm. in are bringing children who are either very young mm-hmm. or around 15 mm-hmm. or so. Um, so I think that's also contributing to this whole vision of people, you know, bringing the new ideas in. Yeah. Also, I think the environment, because at, at the end, right, I'm, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm single, I haven't kids, but I, I, I can guess, right, when people have a lot of kids, it means they feel comfortable. They really yeah. want to build a bigger family. Because right, Asia people don't want to have kids because they have so much pressure. The right. housing price is like so expensive. Yeah. Uh, some of my friends are still living with their parents. <laughs> yeah, I know. When they're 40 and 50, so, you know. But in here... There's a lot of space, you know, they build a lot of houses and people are happy that their job in here and industry improving. So I can, I, yeah, it's a good place to 
to have a family here. Yeah. You know? And that's what you never see about Dubai. Isn't that very interesting? Yeah. Like there on the uh, travel and hospitality side, you mm-hmm. may see commercials with families at water parks, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the luxury side of Dubai, people show singles, right? People yeah. out, you know, having drinks, mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. at restaurants. Sure, that's totally fine. But there's this huge population that's raising families as well. Yeah, no, it's actually exactly remind me when I was young. <clears throat> Just like when I was young, when we go to a restaurant, it's all children, you know, all the children running around. They yeah. just learn stop. But when I went to a, like a uh, go to Satwa for a Pakistani restaurant, yep. then I see the exact same thing. Yeah. And then I, I that's why for some people, they think, oh, those people are so uneducated, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But I actually, I remember where I come from. Hmm. That's why exactly, oh, I actually feel good because, oh, that's actually, those people are having a good time. Because I was born in 1970 in Hong Kong in mm-hmm. 80. We are not that rich at that time. It's not like the yeah. Hong Kong you saw, you know. That's why <laughs> when we were grow up, when we were grow up, and like, we, we just like the whole family, Go to the department store yep. and have like one popsicle. Because wow. the department store have actually AC, so we yeah. go there and enjoy the AC <laughs> to walk around. And all we can afford is one popsicle. But we are little kids, you know. Right. So one, you were one, happy with that, right? Happy with that. It was so, fun, yeah. right? So right now people are like complain so much all the Hong people, young people in Hong Kong. So I don't understand. But I see the exact same energy in here. Yeah. So you think about oh, Hong Kong is the eighty, and Dubai in the twenty twenty, you know. For me, it's the same energy. That's a lot of people actually tell me. It's like, oh, oh, Sam, you're from Hong Kong. You know, Dubai is exactly like Hong Kong in the 80s. I think, yeah, you may have a point. So Yeah. And, and I also see, I mean, I mean, yes, Hong Kong, and then, you know, extend it a bit for mainland. Yeah. I do see some similarities there. Mm-hmm. So I started teaching English in China yeah. in 2000. I'm just going to throw it out there. Hey. Um, and I remember at the time it was such a freeing experience. Mm-hmm. Like the whole experience was, you know, um, just going where you want to go. Meet, everything was very safe. Yeah. Right. Things were very safe. Meeting people. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted to talk to you and meet you, of course, because you're a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Me being a black American, I mean, yeah. it was like, whoa, what? Well, Michael Jordan, wait, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> people were very confused. Um, but I, I do sense that here too, because there's a lot of mm-hmm. opportunity. And I think that's what you're experiencing as well with yes. this meta incubator is that everyone sees the opportunity mm-hmm. and they want to somehow take a part of it. And I think when mm-hmm. you look at China like 20 years ago, there was very much that mm-hmm. feel of this is fertile ground. Yeah. Let's see what we can do. Yeah. So now, now, yeah, the center of the world have, has moved, you know, to here. So uh, I think all the people that are watching the podcast, you know, think about come to Dubai and check it out. <laughs> yeah, check it out. Don't don't come uh, broke, please. Don't. Yeah. No, <laughs> don't worry. Hey, everybody will try. So yeah, that's try true. To get some money here. So. That's true. There, there's that as well. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, sort of this this trend in in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And that you see this entertainment and celebrities um, all trying to kind of be in the metaverse. And mm-hmm. do you see any applications that you feel are just not really a good fit? Um, so, for example, I mean, Meta, formerly Facebook, mm-hmm. tried to, you know, do a lot in the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it didn't really get traction. Um, a lot of it, people really didn't take part of it. What What do you think is not getting traction? What do you think I is think getting traction? That's actually more about innovators' dynamic mm. because I'm from tech side. So because in a big corporate, it's always hard for you to innovate. Not actually like building the technology. It's just like 
you are creating a new business model that crashes with the old business model. Mm. But the old business model always bigger. That's why a lot of time, you know, with up and down, with during a bad quarter, then you would actually remove the 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 potential project. Yeah. That's actually all over the place. Like that's one of the classic business business group book, right? Innovative dilemma. So we can see even talk about the Facebook blockchain thing, the Libra, right? Yeah. So okay, for after billions of dollar invested, they lay off all the people. So now all the Libra people come out, you know, start Aptos and Sus and seize those blockchain, and they raise hundreds billions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then hey, potentially they may be a successful project right now. So, so I actually don't think uh, uh, they intentionally make make it misfire because sometimes when you become too big, you become slow, and also you you care about too many things. You need to take care. Yes. Rather than when you're just a startup, you really focus, and then you can really try to build good products, serve your customer. So. So, okay, so I have a controversial thought about funding, okay? Mm-hmm. This is, and, and it's kind of to your point about being too big too fast. I see some projects that are so focused on getting the funding mm-hmm. that once they do, it almost destroys their focus. They're, they're not yeah, able to really absorb that amount of resources mm-hmm. and direct it in a meaningful way. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I've seen. I mean, some are very successful, obviously mm-hmm. they go on and continue to grow and build, but some, you can actually visually see yeah. this misdirection and, and lack of focus. It's actually a lot of people don't talk about it because right now you talk about a lot of U.S. projects, they're overfunded. Yeah. And sometimes, because even spending money is not easy. Yeah. So like one of the bigger expenses in any startup is hiring people. So, okay, suddenly you have a hundred million dollars. But how fast you can hire people. And I mean good people. Yes. That's why I can, okay, suddenly bring 50 people in the company. But then... You're going to manage them. And the 40 of them may not be a good fit. But then for those 40 people may create much more problem in the company. Than yes. Like, than just take it slow. So, uh, and that's actually, uh, I think that's really depend on the founder. Mm. But you get a really right point. Okay, when a founder, because the VC know, okay, you need that much money to scale the product. But then how to control the timing to scale it will be the issue. That's exactly what happened. One of the most famous actual example is the recent fund, mm. the SoftBank recent fund. Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a what, 50 billion, 100 billion dollar fund. So the problem they have is they only have 10 years. So even, and then pretty much the first two, three year, or maybe the five year, you could invest all the money. But how can you spend like that many billion in two years? It's almost impossible. It's pretty much like, yeah, if you somehow you can schedule a meeting with them, they will give you money because it's the the, the speed and the velocity of the cash. You know? right. When you're running a VC fund, you need to move money because I need to invest all the money before I raise another fund. Right. right. So if I so somehow they actually have an urgency to spend all the money and that's why they spend it in a really bad way. Yeah. Same with startup too. So that, that's, a, that's a really delicate situation that I think the differentiate between good founder and a bad founder. So. 
Yeah. And, it's and not controversial. It's actually real, real problem. It, so. it is. And I think there's also this tendency to put a very high weight on getting funding mm-hmm. um, where people feel as though, you know, I've got funding and now I've made it. No, now it starts. Yeah. Now, now you got to get to work. Exactly. Like this, it's not, you know, it's because not. Now you have a fiduciary duty right, to, to your, to your, actually to your board. So, and then they will be more controlling. They may like, Put put more like the advice on governing, so you know may not be good for you, you know. So I, I, yeah, it's a it's, as a founder, I I understand it because it's everything is money. Because right. when you do pay your employee, like <laughs> you don't know where where where, where you got the money to pay them next month, it's a really like a tough feeling. So, you know. but but then uh, a lot of founder are also spending way too much time on on like talk to VC, yeah, than customer. Yeah, I was actually reading uh, an article. Uh, actually, it was a thread on Twitter, mm-hmm. and the guy he's he's actually in VC now, but he talks about how when he first started his own company, mm-hmm. he went through I believe it was a thousand meetings. He had a spreadsheet. He went yeah. through a thousand meetings to find the one you know strategic mm-hmm. yes. investor for himself, and he talks about that process and how it was really challenging emotionally, but he was so dedicated. And so committed to finding the funding Mm -hmm. that that's what he did. And I look at that and I'm like, wow, a thousand meetings, man. You know, I I mean, I I would have built, something would have been built by that Mm -hmm. time. Um, I guess it's a different approach for every founder. Uh, But that's why I think that priority priority is very important for founder. That's why I said, right, if you have two founders, one is in charge of engineering, one in charge of sales and marketing. So the engineering person can always just build. So you actually don't stop because you're fundraising. Right. And even fundraising is not a full-time job. So you should spend like 20% of the time talk to VC and 80% of the time talk to your customer. So don't spend 100% of your time talk to VC because at the end, <laughs> VC is not going to buy your product. So, you know. And the thing is they give you money is because when someone's buying your product. So don't, you got to set your priorities straight, you know. Right. So a lot of things is like for us is common sense. Even but even when when I become a, a founder, I CEO, maybe I will make the same mistake too. <laughs> yeah, true. Because true. I, uh, you will always look for the bigger paycheck, right? You know, rather than I talk to one customer and I take ten dollar from them, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. You know, yeah. What What would you say? I mean, I guess a lot of people are probably watching mm-hmm. from outside of Dubai. Yeah, and they've stumbled across the show because mm-hmm. they have an idea or they have an inspiration mm-hmm. that they want to see come to life. Mm-hmm. And they may be considering moving to Dubai mm-hmm. and finding yeah. an accelerator, an incubator program to get into. Mm-hmm. What is the advice you would give them? I, I think the advice, is, first of all, is you get to also have a deep kind of think deeply why you come to Dubai. Can Dubai have something over that you need? You know, Just like if you really target on like Southeast Asia market, then how come you just don't go to Southeast Asia? Because right. Dubai do have a lot of opportunity. When you come here, first of all, do you have a connection with the GCC area first? And then if GCC also potentially can be one of your market. Because for, if I, I'm running a startup, I always want to be close to my customer. Right. That's why I met incubator in Dubai because I'm serving like, like startup project in, in, in Dubai. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I don't want to come to Dubai because of all the VC and all the like ecosystem in here, but I'm building a product for, for Thailand. Yeah, you know? it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So, or building in Europe. So 
And and the thing is, so you got to think about what actually is your competitive advantages to when you come to Dubai. Do you have competitive advantages? Like just like if I'm just like trading oil, like that's the oil trading. Yeah, <laughs> you're not going to so make you it. Not so going to make for, it. So for Metaverse and uh, Web3, there's a lot of uh, opportunity. So even when you have a Web3 project, is this something that you can do in Dubai or somewhere related? Because we have a lot of Indian population in here, right? Like Chinese population in here. So are they are those your market too? That's exactly. I think uh, uh, one of the ambos of you have talked to Pasa, right? Yeah, it's actually for migrant worker. That yeah. actually is perfect. It's perfect. Because if you go to go to Hong Kong, probably too, because they have a lot of Filipino May, you know, or Singapore yeah. too. But if you go to China, then like there's no <laughs> no May in there. So it's not your. We're target. doing it ourselves, yeah. Yeah. So if you do a similar project in there, that would be actually very interesting. So I can see also art is also a big industry in here. That's why if you do NFT with art is also good. So. And then uh, insurance, not that much yeah, <laughs> because yeah. not, people not not care about insurance. So I think you really need to study market. So uh, I think my advice to all the startup founders, you come here, you talk to people and uh, talk to people about your business idea too. Do you need to be here? right? Because if you just come here for fundraising, you can just come here for a couple of conferences and then you can go. You don't need to stay here. But if you stay here, then... Th- then the, the make sure your market are close by. So. That's such a good point. Yeah. Um, with with ByteBow, you know, it originally started as legal services mm-hmm. for Web3 companies. Yeah. And most of my clients were outside mm-hmm. of Dubai. Mm-hmm. And that was before VARA, the Virtual Assets yeah. Regulatory Authority, came, came into place. And, you know, we were still looking at the U.S. Mm-hmm. for the SEC, the Securities and Exchange yeah. Commission. And looking at Singapore for the, the uh, mm-hmm. Monetary Authority of Singapore. Mm-hmm. And then I started to say, like, why, why am I here? Right. If everyone, uh, it, but mm-hmm. then, right, when the regulations came within Dubai, mm-hmm. there was a lot of inbound mm-hmm. work, people coming in saying, Hey, I want to yeah. set up. I want to do something. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good point. Also, that's a, actually make a trend because people want diversification. They don't want put, to put all the money in US or all the money in China or more the money in Europe. They, and not too many people actually putting money in the Middle East. True. Actually, if you look at this, right? That's why when actually one of the most hot business actually right now is setting up a family office. Yes. <laughs> so in the legal field. So so that's why it's, a, it's the mega trend sometimes. Uh, they don't talk about it on TV, but only when you're there, you're talking to people, then you know, okay, yeah, actually access management would be a huge, yeah. huge market in here. And look at even during the pandemic, right? All the oil company in here have so much cash because the oil is still like $85 a barrel. So they they like, the cash is in their pocket <laughs> and they did put it somewhere. Right. So the access management also is a huge market in here. So if you are doing web free on access management, yeah, this actually will be a good place. That's huge. I've actually seen a couple of companies come through with ideas similar to that is yeah. managing, helping family offices manage their mm-hmm. assets, helping them invest mm-hmm. in crypto exactly. and, and NFTs. And because uh, as we mentioned in a previous show, the education is not there. Yeah. So people have the funds and they want to do mm-hmm. something, but they're not really sure what they should do and how mm-hmm. they should do it. That's why your podcast is actually one of the the leader and I uh, oh, pioneer yeah. to do that, to educate people to invest in crypto. Because even as I said, right, I even talked to all the family office or high network individual. You could put 1%. In crypto, that's it, you know. Yeah. Because just learn, get there. Because even for the last cycle, that one percent have like hundred x, a thousand x. Yeah. And it's no risk. If I lost all of them, 
I just lost one percent. Exactly. So you know that that actually very interesting. That's why they're curious, but then it still take a little bit time. Yeah, and, and people need to learn from a diverse set of speakers, mm-hmm. right? And so they need to learn from people who are who are from Hong Kong, from from yeah. the U.S., from India, um, and and from Morocco, mm-hmm. from other places mm-hmm. who are doing something that's innovative. Yeah, because no, first of all, uh, not, not just innovative, even. For asset management, I don't think it's never a big business in here. I think mm-hmm. a lot of them just doing trade finance, right. so it's totally different kind of uh, animals, you know. So now, but now it's happening. So interesting, it's amazing, it really is. Yeah, Sam, what what would be, I guess, one thing that you want viewers to take away from this whole idea of starting a business in Web three and then seeking help through an accelerator? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. First of all, you will start a business with Webby is go back to what you want to build. Do you really need Webby technology first? You know, and then sometimes it's even at the beginning when you build your MVP, you don't need to be Webby because for me, from a, of a uh, from kind of I'm an OG in the industry. That's at the, at the end. There's no Webby, Web two, Web four, Web five. It's about human happiness. Wow. Right? Can you build a business that make people happy? So then they will give you money. <laughs> <laughs> then you're set. <laughs> yeah, then you're set. So, so and Web3 is a technology. It's a very disruptive technology. It's a lot of potential. Because you talk about Web2, then pretty much all the innovation can be done with technology is done. So right now with Web3, it's new technology. That's why a lot more new application can be developed. But still, to go back to the basic with this kind of new technology, so not the other way around. Not, right. I want to start a web free company, so that's why I, I, I do a startup. So you do a startup, you understand what are you, who are your customer, how you can solve that problem. Everybody still have problem, right? Yeah. But can then can web free technology most likely when you have what kind of technology can help help them? Most likely is web free technology. That that's actually the other way around. And from there, then you know what you try to build and to see work with an incubator, accelerator to give you the right resources because every team need differently too, you know. Right. So some uh, accelerator are really like structural, some are not structural, just like meta incubator are really not structural mm-hmm. because uh, we, we take a, a diverse group of startup. So uh, some, and some of them just have cohorts, like 20 company, whatever, but we, we don't do that. So it depends how you did. And also is. At the end, also talk to a lot of different accelerator too. It's kind of like mm. picking a business school. So I actually graduated from Duke uh, a few business school. Oh. Right? So even as an alumni, then I actually go back to the inf- info section, you know, to talk to the the potential uh, uh, potential like student, right? So and and you, you don't recognize it at the beginning, but after talk to wow, hey Sam, you know, uh, a is very difficult, uh, difference. Because everybody is so nice. When I go to like, like I don't want to name other top schools, they say, oh, yeah, there's only like a couple of alumni show up. But for Fuqua, like, dude, usually like 10, 20 people and they can talk to anybody. <laughs> They're so helpful. It's a much friendly environment. Yeah, because I think Fuqua is really built for a teamwork like base. That's why even Team Cook actually interviewed candidate for us. Like, even Melinda Gay is like, oh, wow. actually, nobody know about it, but, but they do. So. So that's why I think even the incubator or accelerator, they have different like personality to right. pick the one that works right for you. And there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of them out there. And then go back to the thing, right? It's not about fundraising. 
mm. is about building. So don't think accelerator uh, can help you uh, or, or funding. They they can, but then at the end, it's not the basics. The basics how to find a product market fit is really depend on you, wow. because an accelerator is. Try to help founder do everything else, like in the HR, like marketing, uh, automation on on the process, all those things, but not finding the product market fit. That's always the core of building a startup, and that's something that nobody ever can help you. So they they can talk to you and help you evaluate, but you are the one that do do the hard work, talk to a lot of people, and figure out the product market fit. So wow. Founders mm-hmm. in Web3, if you're listening, you should be taking mm-hmm. Just rewind. Just mm-hmm. rewind the past five minutes and listen to mm-hmm. Sam. Sam, that's a really mm-hmm. important piece that I think a lot of people forget. Yeah, It's it's such a focus on the funding and not on the building. And your mm-hmm. point is focus on the mission, focus yes. on the building, yeah. focus on the fit, even with your support through an accelerator. Yeah. Find the right accelerator for you and work from there. Yes, yeah. Sam, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure having yeah, you. I'm so happy to talk to you too. So you know. Yeah, this is great. Uh, where where can people find Meta Incubator if they want to learn more? Just uh, go to our website, metaincubator.com. You know, we have a telephone number, emails are all there. Great, awesome. Thank you so much, and we look forward to seeing more from Meta yeah. Incubator. Okay, bye bye. Thank you. Take care. Yeah.